This is the Davison Beetle Podcast. All right, it's time for the Davison Beetle Podcast. I'm Davis. He's Beetle. Snow day over in the front range. So the kids were at home today, which I don't know, your kids are you're, they're all older now, middle school, high school <laughs> age, right? So it's 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 not like when they were in elementary school. It's not not that big of a deal when they when they have to stay home, is it? They just go they go off and go do their own thing, right? Yeah, they'd, they'd prefer that I wasn't there with them. It's pretty much the feeling that I got uh, today. But, uh, you know, just made them, I made them do some chores that they didn't want to do. But, you know, that's, a, that's the price they get for having a snow day when they predicted like a foot of snow and we maybe got four or five inches. So <laughs> so they lucked out is what I'm saying. They, they, they were playing with house money anyway. So Yeah, exactly. You get to be home. You didn't have to, you know, go to school today. So if you had to. You know, clean up your room, do whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal. wasn't uh, shouldn't have been that big of an issue. Yeah. Well, um, exactly. <laughs> Broncos coaching search continues. Friday's supposed to be essentially what I think the final day when they talk to Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryan's. At least that's what we're hearing anyway. CEO Greg Penner and George Payton and you know the Broncos brass have kept things pretty quiet. Tuesday they met with uh, Sean Payton out in L.A. and uh, they also met with Raheem Morris current uh, L.A. Rams defensive coordinator, former Tampa Bay Bucks head coach. And everything you keep hearing from guys like Tom Pelissero with uh, the NFL Network that, quote, everything is lining up for Sean Payton to become the 19th head coach in franchise history. So with Jim Harbaugh dropping out, Sean Payton's kind of the the guy that they're pursuing right now. And... I have I, I mixed feelings about Sean Payton. I, I still kind of like Dan Quinn because number one, you have to give up the world to get Dan Quinn. He was a finalist for this job before. He's been a head coach. But Sean Payton, who got to the you know, got to the Saints to the, the Super Bowl win, is a guy that is in high demand. And I guess my question is, will Sean Payton be the head coach? Or will Sean Payton go, you know what, I like this Fox TV gig. I like kind of just doing what I want to do. Built that house out in Manhattan Beach. I'm gonna I'm gonna take another year work for Fox, just kind of uh, chill and and see what things look like for the following season. But it sure sounds like he wants back in, and it sounds like the Broncos right now, Beetle are the the team that has the the upper hand, at least the inside track on landing the services of Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, it would seem that way. I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I'm totally sold on him, although, you know, the the real the real question is, will he be able to get the most out of Russell Wilson? And, and of the ones mentioned, he's the only offensive guy that, you, that now that Harbaugh's out of there. Uh, so, so now you kind of lean back and go, all right, well, maybe that's the, the way to go. And, and he's definitely put together... Uh, a good offensive scheme before with a great quarterback and and a and a short quarterback. If you want to get into those logistics too, I don't think that matters personally. But you know, that was always the knock on Drew Brees, and it's one of the knocks on Russ Wilson. Is how do you how do you take advantage of a guy that that doesn't have that tall stature in the pocket and stuff like that? So, so he's done it. You know, he's got that he's got that pedigree, so to speak, and obviously won the Super Bowl, which is what you're looking to do. But I'm kind of with you. He's like. Uh, I like him, but I don't know if I love him from the standpoint of his personality and, and, you know, his motivation. He kind of feels like he's uh, just testing the market, so to speak, to see what he can get. And, you know, obviously it's up to him uh, if, if, uh, 
he doesn't really feel like coming back, then he doesn't have to. So uh, I think the other candidates are good ones too. I, I really like Raheem Morris. I love D'Amico Ryan's. I yeah. think Dan Quinn was a really good candidate last year. So I don't think that there's like this weird, like, oh, well, there's nobody. You're not going to get a good right. candidate. No, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, does Peyton answer all the all the questions that you have? And he's probably the one that checks the most boxes, right? Even if you don't love the personality or the, the person in general, uh, you know, I think he checks the most boxes at this point. Yeah, I, and I just think Broncos country, not that – by no means should should Greg Penner and George Payton, Condoleezza Rice, and whoever's you know else is going to be you know who's involved in this process should should care what Broncos country wants. You just get this feeling right. they're, they're going to lose they're going to lose their minds they're going to lose their crap if it's not Sean Payton that they're going to be <laughs> it's going to be settling right for anybody else Dan Quinn or. D'Amico Ryan's or Raheem Morris or any anybody else. Ajira Vero, which I still I, I like him. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. I just think it's now's not the time. One year of being a DC in the league does not make you a head coach. I think his time will will certainly come. But you just get this sense that that the, the Broncos country, the fan base, is going to lose their minds if it's not somebody like Sean Payton. And or I think a Dan Quinn would would do quite well, or or Raheem Morris as as the head coach of this football team. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm torn I'm torn on Sean Payton. There's there's things I like about him, but then there's Bounty Gate. There's you know, the there's the Kevin James movie, which I'm still kinda going, Kevin James playing Sean Payton? Okay. Um I'm not seeing that, but all right, sure, why not? Joaquin Phoenix played Johnny Cash, so what the heck? Not that John Payton's Johnny Cash, but but I, I just yeah, I, I just don't I watched the interview with Colin Cowherd the other day and there is this thing where I just get this feeling a little bit like what Jim Harbaugh did, that it's a leverage thing and, or it's just, I'm just curious what to see what people, what the interest is going to be. And I I don't, I, I tend to think though, if you're Sean Payton, you're not going to do all the interviews that he's done. And he's done a couple of them remotely. At least one, I, I know the Texans interview is a remote interview that it's not like he's crisscrossed the country doing interviews. So it's, it's not like he's that invested in being a head coach again, but he is, he did Gordon report spent several hours with the Broncos yesterday in person and with, with, with Greg Penner and company. So I, I guess I tend to feel like that he's putting the time in here, that it's a legitimate, sincere interest in being a head coach again. And that he does have a legitimate, serious interest in being the Broncos head coach. And I know there's, he's supposed to meet the Carolina Panthers. And I, I saw Mike Florio's piece in Pro Football Talk about what if it's Tom Brady and Sean Payton that get together like they almost got together in Miami and they get together in Carolina. And I see a lot of positives for Carolina. You got a well heeled owner like the Broncos have. You've, you've got a, a really good defense with Brian Burns and, and that unit that they have in, in Carolina. They got good young receivers. Deontay Freeman's a really good you know, running back. They've, they've got a lot of positives on that football team. Plus, they've got some draft capital. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, if it's not Sean Payne, if it's – say it ends up being Dan Quinn, I'm going to be perfectly happy with that. If it's Raheem Morris, I'm going to be perfectly happy with that. I have my reservations about D'Amico Ryan's because he's not been a head coach. It's the same concerns I have about Ivero. You know, 
Jim Caldwell's name, Jim Caldwell's name popped up. And I know of, of the candidates, he's probably like the least sexy candidate of the bunch. <laughs> but if you look at his track record, he got, he got whacked in Detroit for no reason. They went nine and seven back to back years and yeah. he took the Colts to a Super Bowl, and then Peyton got hurt, and then they only won two games, and he got canned. So, I mean, his track record is actually a pretty decent track record, but because he's not going to be a sexy pick, and because he's, you know, probably, you know, of the candidates, he's the, the oldest candidate of the group, that may exclude him from this. But I would, I, I, would, I would hope not, but I certainly think Dan Quinn makes a lot of sense. We'll see if Sean Payton ends up being the guy, though. But it just... um what the, I just have a hard time because Peyton said, Sean Peyton said, well, the, the saints, it's like a mid to you know, late first round pick as compensation. Well, the bucks gave up more than that to get John Gruden from the Raiders. Yeah. They give a couple of first yeah. rounders. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine that it's going to be just that to get Sean Peyton. There's going to, well, there, there has to be something more to that deal than, than just the Broncos first round pick this year. Right. And, and I, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of people that are like, ah, oh, well, they can't possibly give up any more draft capital than they've already given up. Well, I, I guess the question to me would be, is, do, do you think that this will change your fortunes? Because that's exactly what you do yeah. with players. That's why you draft players, you know, and, and if you think that you're sitting in a place in the first round where a coach will change your fortunes more so, then the pick you're going to make, then you make that, you make it. Absolutely. You just make the deal. So, you know, that's, that's the question. And, and people get kind of bent out of shape because draft picks are so, they're just gold. Right. But, and, and on some levels, yeah, I get it. But, you know, if you, it, the, the roster still really isn't the problem uh, with the exception of maybe the offensive line. That, that's really the the biggest thing that needs to be addressed. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's there's some there's some issues here and there, but but really the offensive line is the biggest roster problem that you have to address. Yes, you had a million injuries. Hopefully those guys get healthy. But the defense was was more than serviceable for uh, you know the 80 90% of the year. The offense started showing life again uh, at the end of the year there, but you know that there's pieces that are going to work, especially if you add a guy like Javante Williams back to it and Tim Patrick back to it. So what, what's missing? Well, it's just really, it's really just offensive line. And so if draft capital is your problem, well, I guess you got to figure out what, you know, what offensive linemen are out there, both free agent wise and draft wise that are going to help you change your fortunes more than a coach. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of with you. I think, I think he's going to be the guy probably, and they're going to find a way to do it. I think the Broncos have one of the better situations as far as, you know, the, the, uh, the franchise being in a place where they're ready to spend money. They're ready to do what's necessary. Uh, you know, if you look, like I said, if you're a head coach candidate, you look at that roster, you go, okay, I can, we can make something happen there. So I think they're one of the better open jobs right now. Uh, the only problem is they're playing in the, in the AFC West, which is yeah. pretty tough, but if you're going to play, you know, and get in the playoffs, doesn't matter what what conference you're in, you just got to get in. So, uh, you know, I think I think you're right. I think it's probably heading the way of Sean Payton, and it's going to be up to him whether he decides to to take the deal or not. All right, a couple of things I want to get to. 
while while we're here, and um, that's Nikola Jokic, and we haven't talked a lot about the Nuggets, <laughs> but I think we we need to be talking. We we talk about the Nuggets quite a bit on our show. I just when I watch him or I listen to him on our radio station, listen to Jason Kosminski talk about Nikola Jokic. There is, it's like, it's like the legend continues to grow, right? Because all of a sudden now, once again, he's the odds on favor to be the MVP. And this time with the way this, this for the the third consecutive time, and you just, when you watch him play the spatial awareness that he has, and a guy that's almost seven feet tall and his ability to distribute the basketball and impact the game. You had what is 13th triple double against Portland the other night, or he just, it's not where he goes out and always scores 36, you know, 42 points a game. It's how he impacts the game in terms of finding the open guy at the right moment and how he makes everybody better and how he knows where, where Michael Porter Jr.'s shot really works for him, or Jamal Murray, yeah. or, or you know, take your pick, and Tavius Caldwell-Pope. I mean, just his ability to know what his teammates' strengths are and to, to play to those strengths. And and as our, our friend, the Buckeye boy, said the day, I mean, it's kind of like a quarterback in the NFL. He throws guys open. He, he, he allows guys to get open just with his spatial awareness and just his ability to to find the open man, I maybe I'm getting a little too, dude. I don't know, giddy about him. <laughs> but the more you watch him play, the more amazing he is, and the things that he does. Yeah, I mean, he is off the charts here for the last uh, week or two, and obviously the team has been off the charts as well on a on a big win streak. And I I go back to the beginning of the season. And I think they opened with a kind of a shocking loss. To, I think it was Utah, right? That was the very first game of the season. And everybody was like, oh, gosh, like, what's, what's happening here? And I remember him making the comment, and I don't know why it's stuck in my head, because I think I think it's stuck in my head because he just he doesn't say a whole lot anyway. But when he starts predicting things, I start paying attention because the guy seems to have like this, ability to see the future he really does so, yeah. uh, you know and i don't know it's, it's just crazy but he made the comment uh, about jamal murray and i think uh michael porter jr and basically he told people you know very subtly very very sly and unassuming basically said don't worry when those guys get healthy you're going to see some absolute fireworks like it just wasn't it was so matter of fact, like no big deal. It's like, cause people were upset. I remember, I remember, you know, uh, reporters and, you know, you, you read through Twitter and stuff like that. And people were like, what the hell? How do they lose to the jazz? They're terrible. They traded everybody away. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, Donovan blah, blah. Mitchell, it's most notably by 30. Yeah. And, and he just very calmly was like, yeah, no big deal. I don't know if you saw what I saw, but there's a couple guys that when they get to full, capacity you guys are you're gonna be eating your words and now here we are in the middle of january and not only was he dead on with that he's playing at a level that even he hasn't played at really uh for you know the last which is hard to say because he kind of seems to have the same 
really high level, people don't really understand, I think, how high a level he actually does play at most of the time. But he's, you know, he hit the game-winning shot the other night. Then he turns around last night and drops 36 and triple-double in, like, you know, 10 minutes of game time or something like that. It, it feels that way, doesn't so, it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. in the blink of an yeah. eye that you're like, wait a minute, what did he, what did he just do? Yeah. yeah, so he's playing at a level along with those guys, and he knew. He knew exactly what was going to happen. That's what that's what is so amazing about this guy. Is like he knew exactly how this was going to go. He was totally able to be patient and not, you know, join in with the the crowd of of panic or the crowd of I need an answer now or anything like that. This was kind of able to do what he normally does, which is kind of a dopey, uh, unassuming, but yet at the same yeah. time everybody's starting to pay attention to what he says. I just think, yeah, when I watch him play, it's just like he's, he's, he's toying with people, right? There are times it's just like, yeah, yeah, he just kind of looks like he's messing with people in in terms of, of just, I'm this, I'm just, you know, he's, he's, he's a super humble guy, but just this, I'm so damn good at this that, um, You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm already three steps ahead of you and you don't yeah. know it. And you just get that feeling watching yeah. him play. And there's just a confidence that he has. And I think part of it too, is that the guys you mentioned, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. They're guys that I think they, they've had their own aspirations of being the, the man, right? Right. And I think they're coming to the realization or the, the, the acknowledgement now that he's the man. And they're okay with being Flash and Green Lantern or whatever. I mean, they, they don't they're not they're not Robin, they're better than Robin, but they're okay with being good in their own way, but they're not good like him. They're not an MVP, you know, even though Jamal Murray had that great run in the bubble where everybody's going, Murray's gonna be the guy on this team. It's not gonna be Nikola Jokic. And we're wrong. It's just it's definitely Nikola Jokic. But it's like they're 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 going, Hey, we can be part of something great here. We can be part of a team that maybe wins an NBA title, the first in nuggets history. And we, we can do that by being great complimentary players. We're okay. Not being the man. I'm okay with that. Maybe at some point, Michael Porter jr. Maybe Jamal Murray, that, that, that wears thin, that maybe they don't enjoy that role in this team, but at least for right now, you get the sense that they're okay with that. And they know that he's the one that drives the bus and they have their moments, their opportunities. They contribute what they do, but I think that's been part of it too. Is a you know they're healthy, and there's a buy-in by those two guys, and those two guys had to buy in to Jokic being the guy on this basketball team. And I think we we started to see that. And oh, I, I think some some big things are heading the Nuggets way. At least I hope so. Anyway, yeah, it might be. And and you know I think the the craziest part about it is like you know. How long did it take you to start watching Nikola Jokic with with different eyes? Because the optics of his game are so dumbfounding for so long. Because you're just like, there's no way this guy does this stuff. Right? Like, you, you like, how does he play this way? He looks like nobody else on the floor. He moves like nobody else, but yet he coaches them every night. And obviously, he's got size. And, and, and a ton of strength, and he really has, you know, the good shooting touch and stuff like that. But he's not the only one that has those things. Yeah, it's just the optics of it are astounding when you watch it. You're like, what? I can't, I can't figure out how he does this. And so, like, for for 
I don't know, for the last couple of years. I mean, even when he was a rookie, I remember watching him and going, dude, this guy's amazing, but I, I, there's no way he can keep this up. Like, he, athletically, he can't hang with these guys. And then you watch again, and you're like, all right, he can hang. He's fine. But, man, no way they don't figure him out. And now you watch him and you go, all right, not only are they never going to figure him out, he's so far ahead of everybody from what he's thinking and doing that he's, he's absolutely running this game every time they step out on the floor of how he's going to, you know, set you up for later. And, and that's got to be absolutely frustrating to coaches because they have no idea what he's going to do next. They really don't. Uh, and, and it took me so long to get to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this dude play chess. I don't even care what it looks like anymore. I want to watch him set things up. I want to see how he communicates, how like, you're, you're watching him run the floor sometimes, and the basketball isn't anywhere near him because you're going, what's he going to do? What's he looking at? You're trying to figure out what he's seeing right then. How often does that happen when you watch a basketball game and you're not watching the ball? You're watching yeah. Yeah. somebody off the ball trying to figure out what they're going to do. And it took years for me to figure out, like, dude, that's how advanced this guy is. Like, I'm not even watching the game anymore. I'm watching what he's doing to try and figure him out, and I can't. So, right. you know, just amazing what he does. Yeah. And they're, they're on an incredible, you know, streak at home right now. They're 20 and three at home. It's, it, it's been very impressive and, and hopefully it continues to, you know, hopefully it culminates in a in Nuggets first ever trip to the, the NBA finals. Uh, the Colorado Mesa Mavericks baseball team, what a shock, death taxes <laughs> and, uh, sun rising in the East and setting in the West. And oh yeah, the, Colorado Mesa baseball team picked to win the Armac championship again, the regular season championship. It's one bit one ten in a row for the Mavericks now. And so they, yeah. uh, the Armac coaches poll came out, Metro state's number two Mavericks are number one. What a shock. I mean, it's, it's a team though, that, that loses a lot with, with Hayden McGeary, your national player of the year, Jordan Stubbings, Spencer Bramwell. I mean, there's a, a lot of guys that have, have been lost off this roster but even despite that, I mean, that's the respect that Chris Hanks and the Maverick baseball program has in the RMAC, picked once again to win the RMAC regular season title. It should also acknowledge you, Chris Hanks named the chair of the American Baseball Coaches Association, uh, their their national board. And so he's the chair of that where I know Chris has you know, made suggestions on things they can do to improve the tournament at Cary, uh, North Carolina things that we do here at the junior college world series, like have uh, uh, local um, organizations like lions club and, and, and people like that. And Rotarians get involved with sponsoring teams that he's, he's made that suggestion to, uh, to the, uh, the folks that run carry North Carolina. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, baseball season fast approaching for the Maverick baseball team. And even though uh, snow's flying on your side of the hill, it's, it's over here a little bit. You know how it works. You, you're part of that for a long time, yeah. Beetle. Uh, baseball season is fast approaching for the Mavericks and setting up to be an, another uh, really good year. A year, though, we're probably more small ball and more reliance yeah. on their pitching staff. That's going to be kind of the way the Mavericks are going to win, not uh, with Hayden McGeary and Spencer Bramwell and Jordan Stubbings and those guys and the big the big offensive numbers. Yeah, yeah, they have. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. If any other program probably if they lost the two-time national player of the year an all-american catcher a senior first baseman that has torched the conference for four years 
they they would not be picked to finish first. Nobody, they'd all be like, yeah, they lost too much. And <laughs> nobody would probably pick uh, a team to finish first after losing all of that. And it is going to be a challenge for them. I think it'll be different. Uh, you know, their, their roster is going to have a, have some new faces and going to have a few guys that you know as well, but it's going to boil down to the arms. You know, that was really their, their shortcoming last year was they just, they couldn't, they couldn't find enough, uh, consistent arms. They had some really talented arms, but they, they didn't know who was going to be the, the consistent one other than a guy like Kane and Handy. So, uh, you know, they, they still have some of those guys. They have a guy returning in Jared Dury from, uh, from Eaton that's, I think, going to really help. Uh, he was a pretty good one for them as a freshman. He's coming back off of an injury and has had time to recover. I think that's going to really help them as well. But you're right. I think, you know, the days of, going through that murderer's row of a lineup and just knowing that they're going to get you eventually, uh, those those probably are going to be fewer and farther between this year. But, you know, this this is a team that's proven and a coaching staff that's proven that they can they can reload, they can develop, they can win in different ways. Every time somebody thinks they have a leg up on CMU, they, they find a way to beat them. And so uh, does that continue this year? I sure hope so as a, as a fan of the Mavericks. I think things are, are tightening a little bit in the conference. The Metro State was better last year. They had a lot of transfers that, uh, that, that played, paid dividends for them later in the year. Uh, I think, you know, CSU Pueblo has a new coaching staff. Uh, they should be improved. Uh, UCCS has, has been a, a, a high quality team here for the last couple of years. Uh, we'll see what they bring to the table again this year, but, but, you know, there's there's only one program that is the benchmark and and that's CMU. So until somebody takes it from them, you can't help but vote those guys first, and you can't help but assume they're going to replace uh, and and develop some new guys and some new people in that that lineup. And I'm I'm excited to see who it's going to be. So that's the fun part about college sports is you know as, as good as guys like like Hayden McGeary were, and as much fun as you had watching them, you kind of want to see who's next and can they do it again? Can they find somebody else? And so guarantee they've they've found a few guys and they're all developing right now as we speak i'm sure they're in the gym somewhere doing doing some training this week and kind of get ready to go but uh yeah it's a it's going to be a different roster this year for sure well and, and as chris said when he was with us on our local show the other day that um you know when they've gone to the world series the four times it's been a team built around pitching and defense and yeah and you know, playing small ball that uh, you know what that's like with with that team being involved with it when they've gone to the World Series, that those have been the teams that 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 tend to get to to carry North Carolina or the one year in Texas. That those are the teams that tend to get there, yeah. not the big offensive teams. And so, could be a good thing, right? Silver lining thing that those are the teams that have yeah. got there before for Chris well, Hanks and Sean McKinney, and that's kind of how this team is shaping up in twenty twenty three. And, and that's how it always starts, right? Like every year, this time of year, the coaches all get together and say, who do we have? What are, you know, what are we going to be able to do, not do? But it always starts with, we have to find who our pitchers are. And it might take half the season to do that, but you gotta, you gotta figure out which guys fit into which role. Uh, you might have a really great idea, uh, about everybody's role right away. And then it's just a matter of kind of getting them comfortable with it, stuff like that. But then there's years where you're like, I know we have arms, but I have no idea who's going to start game one. I have no idea who's going to be the closer. I have no idea who's our, who's our middle relief guy that we can count on. So, you know, that's where it always starts. And then, it, and then 
on the flip side of that, on the on the positional side, you know, you usually know who can hit, who's going to handle the bat. They've already proven it in the fall. Like they've they've shown what they uh, are capable of against your roster already, and you're like, all right, this guy's going to get hit. I know he is, but can he play the position that we need him to play? Can they can they keep the runs off the board? Can they do the things that you know they need to be able to do to? Uh, play the defensive side of the ball. And, and then like you mentioned, you know, manufacturing runs, that's where it always starts regardless of whether you know you have guys like like Hayden McGeary and, and, and Bram, Spencer Bramwell and guys like that. You know you're going to score runs, but you always start with pitching and defense. Never, that never changes. Just a matter of how your team shapes up with their identity through the year. No doubt about it. Hey, Beetle, stay warm. Throw another log in the fire. Appreciate it. Will do, and uh, hopefully you guys are getting a little more sun over there because I'm ready for spring. <laughs> Me too. Me too. You take care, Beetle. All right. See ya. This is the Davison Beetle Podcast.